Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I am very, very glad that you're here. Um, I, I do want you to really, really press in tonight. Don't let anything distract you um, because the message I'm going to bring you tonight is kind of like a part two. Well, not necessarily part two, but uh, how many of you watch the same movie over and over again? All right, let's see. How many of you have seen Gladiator more than about four times? And so you enjoy, right? Because you get something out of it every time you watch it. Okay, here's another one. How many of you watch The Godfather about 20 times? It's New Jersey. So listen, if you were here at the Transformation Group last Thursday night, I preached this message. And when I was done and when I went home, I went, you know what? It was wonderful that we had a few dozen people there, maybe probably close to 40 people there. But I thought to myself, this message here really needs to be preached where as many people as possible get a hold of this. And so uh, those of you that were at Transformation, I'm going to charge you with the assignment to act surprised. And when I hit something really good, go, oh, man, that is so good. Can you do that? Let me hear you practice. Say, man, that is so good. Let me hear some amens. Amen. Practice that. Okay, good. So, I want you to grasp the reality of this before I get into the actual meat of this message. This message is designed for two different groups of people. Number one, it's designed to strengthen and equip the person that may be struggling to get free from some kind of nagging, ongoing sin or uh, just... An area of life where you, it just constantly keeps coming back to, to not so much haunt you, but to trap you, okay? Uh, an addiction situation would fall into this. Um, together with that group, this teaching is designed to help the person who has ongoing emotional trauma uh, due to unresolved hurts and maybe wounds from the past. Number two, it's also designed to help the family and the loved ones of the person involved in those above categories. How many of you know what it's like to have an individual loved one in your life that is struggling with some things, and it's inevitable that it's gonna affect your life. It might be a child, it might be a spouse, it might be a coworker, a friend, you know, and so what affects them affects us. And you know, it's not by coincidence that, that God has them in your life, especially if you're equipped, and you're gonna receive some equipment tonight, I pray that you receive some revelation tonight. When I say revelation, I mean the light's going to go off. Amen. Amen? The light's going to go off. And you're going to receive some equipment to help someone. So basically, this message is for everybody. So, when a Christian is trapped in bondage. It is the result of believing a lie. Now, I was studying this again tonight, this afternoon and early evening, and I realized I needed to revise that statement. When anybody 
is taken in bondage. It's the result of believing a lie. Are you catching this? Lies are designed to get you to think, speak, and act in a way that is contrary to the word of God, contrary to the nature of God, and contrary to the welfare in your own life. Every lie of the enemy is designed to get us to either turn from God, to pervert something that God created, or to cause disruption in our lives. And there's only one thing that's going to help us with that, and that's the truth of the Word of God. Bondage can be defined as enslavement or being in subjection to some force other than the person's own will. It can be a compulsion or an influence. It can dominate your physical body. It can dominate your thought life. It can dominate your emotions. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. I almost hesitate sometimes to quote this scripture because the first part is not such good news. But the second part is dynamite. 1 John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Here's the good part. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to this earth, was manifested among us with one purpose in mind, to undo everything that Adam let happen on this planet. Amen? For this purpose, he was manifested that he might destroy, unravel, paralyze, put to naught, make ineffectual the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? The works of the devil are anything contrary to the word of God. God created us to be blessed. The enemy wants us to be cursed. God created us to live in good health. The enemy wants us to suffer disease and sickness. God created us to experience peace, joy, righteousness. The enemy wants us to have turmoil constantly in our lives. Jesus came to undo that. Amen? So he came to bring truth and truth that sets us free. He elevated us out of darkness, giving us a new heart with a new nature. Let me spend 30 seconds on that. I want you to listen to what I just read. I'm going to read it again. He has given us a new heart. And so, man, if you're born again, if you've received Christ, if he's your Lord and Savior, if you have confessed him as your Lord, you have received a new heart and a new nature. And you're thinking to yourself, Pastor, if you see me during the day, if you see me when I'm outside of church, if you see me at home, you might not believe that statement. And the enemy wants you to believe that. And the enemy wants you to focus on that. And the enemy wants you to obsess on the times when your new nature is not manifesting, when you are not thinking, speaking, acting out of your new heart. But the fact of the matter is this. Listen to me. For years, I caught myself. I didn't realize I was doing it. But for years, I would, I would go to this default from the book of Jeremiah. Well, you know, the heart's deceitful above all things. Who can trust it? Now, is that scripture in Jeremiah? It's not a trick question. Is that scripture in the book of Jeremiah? Yes. But is it true about us now? No. Yes, it's true. It's in the Bible, but it's then. He's speaking to a nation of unregenerate individuals. He's speaking and he's addressing, he's talking about people who have not yet experienced a new birth. But how many in here have experienced a new birth? You got a new heart. Now, you may not always be 
thinking out of it. You may not always be speaking out of it. You may not always be acting out of it. But it's in there. You, haven't, you have received a new nature. Your spirit is alive unto God Almighty. Are you getting... You, no, you see, this is something we need to remind ourselves all the time. Turn to somebody and say, you got a new heart. You have a new nature. Now start walking in that. Now listen. Now listen. Now, now understand there is, there is a difference between what you and I experience from that part of us that is still unrenewed, there's a big difference between the unrenewed part of our minds and what Jesus has settled in his heart. Now, as far as Jesus has settled in his heart, because you received a new nature, because you received a new heart, there is nothing of your past that should be determining your future. But the enemy wants you to think you're still the old person. You're hopeless. It's never going to change for you. If it hasn't changed by now, it's probably not going to change. This is where you're going to be. The best you could hope is to leave here and hope that you get to heaven. But that's not why God created us. And that's not why Jesus died on the cross for us. He died to give us new life that starts here. It, listen, listen, listen. But by that weak response, you don't entertain that thought. You are overwhelmed by your old nature. Jesus gave us new life to start here, not when we get to heaven. He doesn't need you in heaven right now. He needs you here. He doesn't need you to be a great testimony to others that are lost in heaven. There's no lost people in heaven. Where's the lost people? Here. Where does he need you to open your mouth and tell people about Jesus? Here. Not there. They know him better than we do. But if you're constantly obsessing over your old nature, if you're constantly paying more attention to focusing on what you do wrong, then you're never going to have a vision for you living a life that is free from the past, having it settled under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can get a vision of what you really should be like in the future. You're getting good there. That's good. (laughs) Nothing of your old nature should determine your future. And listen, even more importantly, nothing of your old nature should determine your current lifestyle. None of it. None of it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the very first scripture I ever memorized 35 years ago when I first became a Christian. It so just jumped at me. This means, I'm not reading from the New Living Translation, that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Now, what we should do probably for the first year or two when we first get born again is take all the mirrors out of our house. Because you keep looking in the mirror and all you see is that person. You don't see the newness. You don't see, because let's face it, look, you know, well, okay, 35 years when I got born again, I had more hair. <laughs> and I would have loved to hold on to it. But guess what? I'll never forget when I was at going to Bible school, which at this point, 22, 23 years ago, I, I wasn't too far away from where I am now. And so I'll never forget this. One night I fell asleep, I, I woke, and I had this dream. 
And in this dream, I had this awesome full head of hair like I had when I was like 19 or 20, you know, even 25, you know. And I'm not even in the dream. I can remember just running my fingers through the hair going, praise God, I can't wait to wake up. And I swear to you, I swear to you as I'm standing here, as soon as I woke up, not even had my eyes open yet, in that state of like, I don't know if I'm awake, I'm asleep, I went like this and went, oh, man. But listen, because we don't see the change with our natural eyes, we constantly keep ourselves in the confines of the past, of the sin, of the mistakes, of the failures, of the wounds, of the hurts, of the betrayals, of the disappointments. And we, so, we, we fill our eyes up so much with what's natural that we don't allow our spirit on the inside to lift up our spirit eyes to look to the future. Now, this isn't the message yet. I'm on my way there. So, the old life is gone. The new life has begun. And that belongs to anyone who's in Christ, who has become that new person. Now, listen. Jesus, now, here we go. Here we go. We're going to start getting into the message now. Jesus stated his mission as recorded for us in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. I remember, it must have been about 1998, maybe 1999, the church was only a few years old. At that point in time, we were meeting at the primary learning center on Chambersbridge Road by the high school. I got up Sunday morning, one service, that was it. We had maybe a Wednesday night prayer meeting. No, actually, it was Thursday night. Get up on a Sunday morning, stand behind that pulpit, the end of praise and worship, and the, 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 I, the Lord just put this scripture in my heart. I'm telling you this because there's power in this scripture. Because if you read this as history, it's one thing. But if you read this as in Christ, as you in Christ, then this scripture belongs to you and pertains to you and is about you as much as it is about Christ. Because now in your new nature, in your born-again uh, position, where are you? In Christ. So Jesus Christ stood up in the synagogue and began to read. I'll never forget that Sunday morning. I got up and opened up my Bible to Luke chapter 4. I knew in, the, in, in my spirit I was supposed to read this. And I began to read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and it was as if a waterfall just let loose above my head. You would remember because we all, we couldn't talk that day. You remember I handed you the mic, and when I handed you the mic, you couldn't talk that day. The Spirit, Joe Cap, Pastor Cap. The Spirit of God fell in that. When I say fell, the Spirit of God manifests himself in that place. Literally, I could see like, uh, I know it's dated now, but back then, they had these chandeliers that they would sell made out of lucite. Does anybody remember? And it had like these, these waves of lucite. So that's what it looked like was hovering over our head. That when I began to read, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And the power of God hit that room. I never got to finish the rest of the scripture. But the power of God hit that room. There were people that were just, just 
falling down all over the place. One person ended up in the back of the room, flew back. You're looking at me like, yeah, sure. We were there. We saw it. Why am I saying this? Because if you think you're going to live a life that is free from bondage, free from hurts and wounds, free from the depression of the past, free from everything that's contrary to the enemy, if you think you're going to live that way without the power of the word of God in your life, you are fooling yourself. The word of God has got to become alive. And the real title for this message is, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? So let me read this. Let me read this. Let me read it again. Now listen, when I read this, I want you on the inside to say, this is natural for me. Are you listening? This is, say it, say it. This is natural for me. This is who I am in Christ. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Be, good, yeah, let's read it together. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Original language, to the vacant, to the empty. Anybody know what it's like to feel empty? Anybody have people in your life that are empty? You've been anointed to preach to them. He has sent me, come on, let's go again. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the who? The who? Oppressed. What does it mean to be oppressed? To be under constraining control. Have you ever felt like there's a force in your life that is constraining you, putting pressure on you, forcing you to think a certain way, speak a certain way, act a certain way? That is ungodly. The Spirit of God wants to set you free from that stuff. Now, look at what Jesus said he would do in the life of the believer. He would set us free from punishment for sin. Set us free from sin nature. And he would bring blessing, God's blessing and abundance into our lives. Don't forget that component of the gospel. Listen to me. I picked up on this about six months or a year ago. There is an attack from the kingdom of darkness against prosperity. Why? Why? Have you ever been in a situation in your life when you are dead broke? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let me see your hand. Do you not experience great pressure? When you're in financial need, do you not experience great pressure? Does it not make you start thinking about doing stupid things? And yet you got segments of the church world today working together in conjunction with the devil, the the, the kingdom of darkness, to try to convince you, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he doesn't want you to prosper, that prosperity is not good, that prosperity is from the devil, that prosperity is darkness, that prosperity is going to pull you away from God. Well, if prosperity pulled you away from God, how come everybody that God blessed in the Bible stuck with God? Went on to do great things. Went on to do great things with the wealth that they had. Be careful what you read. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful to what you see posted on Facebook. Even from from Christianity posts. 
The biggest devils I've ever encountered work through those kind of organizations to get you to talk you out, to talk you out of what God sent Jesus on the cross to die so that you could have. Now, let me ask you this question. How many have ever experienced relief financially? What happens? The pressure does what? Oh, here he goes talking about money. Don't be a hypocrite. You, you spend 90% of your time at home talking about money. <laughs> I wish I had. I wish we could. How come they, how come they bought a new car across the street? I don't have a new car. No, <laughs> oh, you, you see the delivery truck pull up next to your neighbor. You see them unloading new furniture, and you start getting all crazy. How come they got and now you start. Now you start with your spouse. Okay, how come we don't have that? How come we don't have this? If you had a better job, if you made more money, now with your boss, now you hate your boss because your boss didn't give you enough money. You see where I'm going? It's blessing, blessing, blessing. When we walk in the blessing of God, when we walk in the favor of God, it takes pressure off our life. How many of you have been sick and the doctor told you this is, this is tough? This is a t- Go ahead, you can raise your hand. I'm raising my hand too. And, 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 and you know you're facing some things that, that, that could be scary. And then the, the Lord God brings you through that thing. And, and then what, what happens when you come out on the other side? The pressure goes. The enemy operates in oppression. Could you, could you give me Acts chapter 10, verse 38? New King James. New King James. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God, now let me give you some background here. This is the first time recorded for us in Scripture that Gentiles, non-Jews, got impacted by the gospel. Okay? Watch this now. This man named Cornelius, he's spending time in prayer. An angel appears to him and tells him, this guy Peter's going to come to your house, open up your doors to him, I'm sending him here to preach the gospel to you. You got it? Okay. While that's going on, Peter's praying on top of a rooftop. And and God gives him a vision. And without going into detail, the vision basically explains to him, go to the Gentiles. I'm sending you to the Gentiles to preach the gospel. Peter goes to Cornelius' house. He's welcomed. He's given the opportunity. Now, Cornelius, Cornelius is a Roman official. He has soldiers under him. He has servants in his house. He's got his family. There. He gathers everybody. He calls everybody up. Come over, come over, come over. Gathers them all together, and Peter goes there and preaches the gospel to them. And this is what Peter says. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with you got to say it like it has power. And with power. Good. Who went about doing good and healing all who were what? Oppressed. By who? Oppressed by the devil. So, So when you're experiencing pressure on your life, constraining pressure, pressure that could be manifested physically, the form of a bad migraine headaches, or just you feel like confusion where you can't make a decision how to go forward? Or you even feel heaviness, heaviness. How many people have ever felt heaviness on their chest? Okay? It's a horrible thing. 
the Bible tells us that Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. That oppression, 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 heaviness. Say, well, that's good, and I know I read that in the Bible, but how does that apply to me? Well, you have to take what Jesus did and enforce it. Now, let me ask you this question. It's going to seem pretty simple, and some of you might even get a chuckle out of it because it's so obvious. Um, And I've used this many times before, but for those of you that never heard it before, make sure you make a big deal out of it. (laughs) Are there books, are there laws in the books that tell us that you can't rob a bank? Are there? So so it's against the law to rob a bank. And it's documented, it's in the books. Yes. Yes. Then why do people still rob a bank? Because they're going to do something until somebody says no. So, is it illegal, according to the kingdom of God, for the devil to oppress you? But he's still going to try to do it, right? Until somebody says, oh, excuse me. I guess you don't know who I am. I am a child of God. I've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. I am filled with the Holy Ghost. And I know the word. So in the name of Jesus, you take this oppression and get out of my house. But until you do, guess what? He's going to try to get away with it every time. You catching this? Just because it's on the books in your Bible doesn't mean it's going to happen automatically. He's given you his authority. He's given you his name. He's given you permission to trample on serpents and scorpions and nothing by any means shall hurt you. But if you sit there and take and go, I just don't understand. I just don't understand why God's letting this happen. God ain't letting it happen. You letting it happen. God sent his son to the cross so you'd have the power to undo this stuff. You sit there and then you got the nerve to blame God. Is this helping anybody tonight? And I tell you what, if this bothers you, I hope you get so mad at me. I hope you get so angry you stay up all night tonight reading the Bible just to prove me wrong. So, Jesus describes what he's going to do in the life of the believer. He anoints us so we can proclaim the good news. He sends us to proclaim freedom to prisoners because every one of us have prisoners in our family, in our neighborhoods, on our jobs. And they're waiting, waiting for somebody to come and get them, waiting for someone to come and rescue them. And the sad part is Jesus has already ransomed them and we let them stay in prison. So he came to to, to anoint us, to empower us, to proclaim the good news to the vacant, the empty. He has sent us to proclaim freedom to the privileged, recover your sight to the blind. Do you know how many blind people there are right now driving cars outside? Blind people in the supermarket, blind people in, in, in the mall, blind people uh, down at the beach, blind people watching movies in the movie theater. Blind. Blind. What? Because the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers. And you got the key, and I got the key. And we let them stay there sitting blind. He came to set us free from punishment for sin because he took it on himself. He set us free from sin nature 
their nature. Their nature's been changed. That means I don't have to sin. Now, before I got born again, it didn't matter because everything I did was sin. Yes or no? Don't look at me like that. You were, no, you, you were probably worse than I was. But it didn't, it didn't matter what you did because everything, you're, you're sin. You're a sinner. Yeah, but I did some good things once in a while, Pastor. I, I bought groceries for a little old lady. I shoveled the snow in my neighbor's driveway. Well, that's, that's great. And yet, you know, we are, even in our sin, even when we were in sin, even when we were sinners, we still had the capacity to do some good, right? Yes, yes or no? Yes. But was it good enough to get us into heaven? No. Keep shoveling driveways because it don't matter. So now watch this now. Our nature's changed. I get born again. And something on the inside starts working on the outside. But you know what? You might not see it right away. It might, it might take a little while. But watch this now. But my nature's changed. Now because, because it didn't come on the outside, because it's my spirit that got born again. Yes or no? It's when you, got, when you received Christ, it was your spirit that got born again. My outside didn't look any different. But my nature's changed. Now, that changed nature is what gives me access to heaven. But I noticed in the past 35 years, I still sinned once or twice. You know what I'm talking about? But watch it now. I didn't sin out of my nature. I sinned contrary to my new nature. Are you catching this? I didn't have to. But before, I had to. Why? Because it's my nature. Now, in my new nature, I don't have to. I still might, but I don't have to. But now watch this now. I want you to catch this because this, this, I, can't ex- I can't illustrate the goodness of God better than what I'm going to tell you. Now, watch this now. In my own nature, I could, do some go- I could still do some good, yes? Okay? I got news for you. I've met people that are non-Christians that are some nicer than, than you guys. And I'm sure you have too, okay? But, but watch. Those little good works that I did could not get me into heaven, right? But now my nature's changed. And contrary to my nature, I still sin. But watch, if the little good things I did as a sinner could not get me into heaven, could the bad things that I did, the sin that I do in my new nature gonna send me to hell? Why? Because did I get born again? Because, yeah, but, but, but how, how did, did Jesus receive me because I was a good person? He received me because of his goodness Amen. and his mercy Amen. and his love. Now, watch this now. Because now the table's going to switch. Because don't you dare, because I, I saw somebody go, ooh, this is good. I can go sin any time I want now. <laughs> no. No, it don't work that way. We're supposed to fall into sin. We're not supposed to be, not supposed to be looking for it. 
Okay? So, now, the, the, the New Testament instructions that are written to us are extremely important because they're not written to us for us to get to heaven. They're written to us to help us live on earth. Yes. Are you getting this? Yes. Well, Pastor, what is it? where are you really going with this thing? Here's, here's where I'm going with this. If you have suffered under addiction, if you have suffered from sin that just continues to just keep coming back and creeping back into your life, okay? If you are suffering and struggling with wounds from the past and, and unresolved issues and hurts and all these things that have the capacity to still cripple you, I need to ask you this question. How bad do you want to get out from underneath that? How bad? Because listen, desperate people do desperate things. Desperate. Desperate. Mark chapter 5. Do you have a Bible? Go there. You got it on your phone? Go there. Now, I'm not going to be able to read through all of it, but I want you to read through it as I'm, I'm, I'm leading you from chapter to chapter. Excuse me, from that, through that chapter. Mark chapter 5 is an amazing collection of three stories. And I know the Holy Ghost put them together in that order for a reason. Mark chapter 5 starts out in the beginning with the story of a, a demon-possessed maniac. He lives in a region called Gadara. Everybody in the area knows him. Jesus one day says to his disciples, let's get in this boat and we're going across to the other side. When he gets to the other side, he encounters this crazy out of his mind, out of control, individual. The Bible tells us that he's so full of devils that they can't keep him chained. He keeps snapping chains. He refuses to keep clothes on. He lives in the tombs, and he does nothing but cut himself and howl. When you got a kid like that at home, you got problems. Now, watch this now. We find out later that there's actually a minimum of 2,000 demons that have infested this man. But watch this now. Jesus just about gets out of the boat. Who's the first one that meets him? This guy. Watch this now. Everybody near me knows, don't go there. You can't control this guy. He's got supernatural strength. He snaps chains. He's the scariest guy around. And yet, watch this now. The scariest guy can't control him, can't, can't subdue him, runs and throws himself at the feet of Jesus. I would say this guy wanted to get free real bad, wouldn't you? Yes. Jesus sets him free. The demons leave him. And watch this now. And I know this is what happened in my life. The first thing this guy wants to do is follow Jesus. I, didn't want, I got saved on a Wednesday night, April the 25th, 9.30 at night. At 10 o'clock the next morning, I'm, I am telling the first person in my life about Jesus and about being born again. Why? Because I knew what he had done the night before. I knew that I was a completely different person on the inside. I knew that none of that junk that the enemy had trapped me in before was ever going to have an effect in my life anymore. Immediately, 
Immediately, immediately he wants to follow Jesus, and Jesus says this to him, go back home and tell the people what the Lord has done for you. Now, Pastor, you just don't understand. I just keep, and, and please, I'm not mocking anybody, and I'm not, please, do not take, I'm trying to raise a level of awareness. That guy was full of demons, and he still had enough in him to go throw himself at the feet of Jesus. How bad do you want it? How bad, Pastor, I just can't get set free. I just can't get free. I just keep. You have trapped yourself by believing the lies that the devil wants you to believe. Because as, as long as you keep saying, I can't get set free, guess what? You can't get set free. You keep reading in that chapter, Mark chapter 5, Jesus encounters a man. He's a big shot in the city. He's the head of the synagogue. Got a good job, lives in a nice house, drives a nice chariot. <laughs> but his daughter's homesick, dying. She's only 12 years old. And he approaches Jesus. And as soon as he approaches Jesus and says to him, would you come to my house and lay your hands on my door? Yeah, sure, I'll come. But as soon as he says, yes, I'll come, somebody else shows up on the scene. The next story. There's a woman who lives in the same town who's been bleeding with a hemorrhage for 12 years. You listening? And it says that she kept growing weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. And and now to add insult to injury, it says, and she spent all the money she had going to doctors and she got worse. Sounds like going to the emergency room, doesn't it? Sorry, Nelson. But you know I'm right. So, 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 so the Bible tells us she's now, not only is she sick, not only is she weak, she's broke. You talk about pressure, but she heard something. Listen to me. She heard something. She heard about this Jesus. She heard about he's healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead. She heard about him. And what she heard, she allowed to sink in here. And that's what I'm trying to do tonight. So from the result of hearing about what Jesus is doing and knowing that he was coming to town, she began to say, anybody know what she said? If I could just touch the hem of his garment... I shall be healed. So let me ask you this question. When did her situation start turning around? When she finally got there or when she started talking? Thank you. So if you keep saying, I just can't get free. I just can't get free. I just can't. Until you hear about Jesus and you let it settle in your heart and you now begin to change the way you talk, watching your words, okay? Changing the way you talk because words have power. Amen. That's when she started getting it. Amen. Now, what did she receive? Did she receive her healing? Hold on. She received a vision of herself being healed. Because if you can't see it, you can't have it. You got to see it. You got to see it. You got to see, see yourself good. You got to see yourself well. You got to see yourself in peace. You got to see yourself healed emotionally. You got to see yourself normal, stable, steady, content. If you can't catch that vision, it's never going to happen. 
You listening to me? So let's go over it again. She's bleeding for 12 years. She's growing worse. She spent all the money she had and got no hope from the doctors, but she heard. And then she began to say, if I could just get to him, if I could just touch it, I don't even have to let him know I'm there. If I could just touch his garment, I shall be healed. Now, what did she receive? She received courage to go and walk out her part. You catching this? How bad do you want it? You know how bad she wanted it? Watch this now. Under Jewish law, a woman who suffers from that kind of hemorrhage is not supposed to leave her house. She was taking her life in her hands. I know many of you know the story, but for the sake of those that might not be familiar with it, let's listen together. She was taking her life into her hands because if any one of them religious people in that town would have recognized her and said, what are you doing out? You're the one who's bleeding. You look at you, bleeding all over the place. I'm, I'm trying to get graphic. You're not supposed to get out of the house. Under the law of Moses, legally, they could have stoned her to death. But she caught a vision. She caught a vision on the inside of her being able to go to the supermarket, go to their neighbor's house and hang out for coffee, go out shopping, go do, do when She got a vision of herself being normal again. And when you catch that vision and you start walking in faith, no devil in hell is going to stop you. You'll get free. So she, she, she gets to the crowd. And the, and the Bible says there was a multitude of people pressing into him, pressing into him. I, I picture it like, like New Year's Eve in Times Square, just, pre, just press. And, and then all of a sudden she, she had to crawl in between the legs of the people that were there because he's in the middle of the crowd. How's she going to touch his garment? How's she going to get to the bottom edge of his garment? And so here she is. She's snaking her way in between, and she finally gets a hold of it. Now, she's hoping that nobody knows what she's doing. And she touches the hem of his garment. And what happened? And the Bible says immediately virtue, power, power, power went out of him. And watch this now. Jesus doesn't even know who it is. He turns in the crowd and says, who touched me? I'm sorry. I can picture Peter going, is this guy for real? Who touched me? There's like a million people over here touching him. Who touched me? Come on, picture it. Picture it. Put yourself in the crowd there. You kidding? Who touched me? Which one? There's like 5,000 hands here reaching out to you. He says, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me different. There's a touch of faith. And the touch of faith, man, will yank the power of God and bring it into your situation every single time. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Because let me tell you something. I don't know if this is going to come to you as amazing revelation. Two and two is always four. How do you know? You know know what I'm talking about? Two and two is always four. If you don't want four, what do you got to change? You got to change the equation. So you can't keep doing what you're doing and expect to get something different. How bad do you want it? Now, let's get back to the third part of Mark chapter 5. You remember Jairus, the guy from the synagogue, the leader of the synagogue, the big shot from the city, driving the big chariot, SUV chariot? (laughs) He's watching this whole situation. 
And I don't know about you, but God bless this man because I wouldn't have had the patience. I would have went to Jesus. So listen, she's been bleeding for 12 years. She could wait another day. <laughs> you would have done the same thing. You know, just today she's got to show up. <laughs> yes or no? For 12 years, one more day ain't going to, you know. But Jairus is being patient. And so when this, when, when this lady's done, Jesus' attention turns back to Jairus. Because you see, he's a man of his word. He said he's going to come to the house. He's going to come to the house. At the same time as he turns to Jairus, Jairus' servants come from his house and say to him, don't bother the master anymore. She's dead. And I, oh, my God, if we were there, I could guarantee you what happened. Instantaneously, Jesus would have got right. I, I guarantee Jesus grabbed Jairus' face and went like this. Don't you dare stop believing. You believed enough to risk your reputation and your career and your livelihood to come down here. Why? Because if the rest of the religious establishment found out that Jairus believed that Jesus is the Messiah and had the power to, to heal his daughter, guess what? He's out of a job. And Jesus knows this. And so I guarantee he got right in his face. Got right, just took his face in his hands. And it reminds me of the time when my wife was going into labor, having, having our kids. And you know, ladies, when, when, that, when they're like one on top of each other, the pains are just coming and just coming and just coming. You're going to forget about Lamaze. You're going to forget about where your <laughs> focus point is. You're going to forget about, you forget about how to breathe. All you want to do is curse your husband. Ask me how I know. <laughs> you did this to me. Right. So, so they're going to lose it. I'll never forget and get my wife's face and go, stop it now. Look at me and start breathing. Start breathing. <laughs> and you know, after, after how many kids we had, they wanted to recruit us to run the classes. Uh, are you following me here today? Yeah, I would, I would grab her face. You go, just look at me. I'll never forget what time. It hit her so bad. I was in the middle of getting changed. You know, they put, make you put those, uh, what do you call those things? What do you call them, Nelson? The what? The scrubs. I didn't have time. They're down around my ankles. I didn't have time because she got hit so bad. So I'm standing next to the bed, down my ankles. Okay, right? And I got her hands on my face. She goes, breathe, breathe. Why? Because you don't want him to lose it. And Jesus, it was not going to allow Jairus to lose the faith that he had developed and the faith that he had demonstrated by coming out in public. Amen. And that whole multitude knew, and they're probably whispering, that's Jairus. That's, that's the head of the synagogue. That's Jairus. What's he doing here? So he must believe that this guy really is who he says he is. Everybody in town knew that Jairus was there. And Jesus says to him, only believe. That was a song about 100 years ago. It was Smith Wigglesworth's favorite song. Who's Smith Wigglesworth? Go Google it and go study his life. It was his favorite song, only believe. I think the guy saw 23 documented individuals raised from the dead. How bad do you want your miracle? How bad 
And how desperate are you? Are you willing to make some changes? Guys, are you willing to get some controls on your computers? Are you willing to take that computer out of where it's hidden in a bedroom someplace and put it out in the public and put it in the kitchen or put it in the living room or give your wife or whoever, your girlfriend or whatever, give them your passwords? Oh, pastor, I just want to get rid of that. How bad do you want it? Tell me where you live. I'll come over with a hammer. We'll take care of that computer. <laughs> How bad do you want? How bad do you want to get free? You're willing to get a flip phone instead of a phone that has the internet on it? Oh, he's, oh, he's minding my business tonight. How bad do you want? How bad do you want to get free? How, bad do you, how, bad, how desperate are you? How bad do you want it? Are you desperate enough to go tell somebody where you hid all the bottles in the house? Oh, 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 you're going there, huh? How bad do you want it? You, you want it bad enough to get in church every time the doors are open? Because that's what I had to do to get free. You couldn't keep me out of church. In fact, I had more marriage problems after I got saved than I did before I got saved. Because before I got saved, she knew where to find me in Atlantic City or someplace like that. But now I'm in church. How does she compete with Jesus? <laughs> Ask my wife. But how bad do you want it? I used to stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning to read the Bible. I was smoking a pack of cigarettes at the same time. But, <laughs> but I'm reading the Bible. I'm not joking. You want to get free? Jesus will set you free. But you know what? Sometimes we need to thank God that it doesn't happen. Because when it happens like that, you don't learn anything. You don't place a value on it. So for those of you that are wondering, why is it taking so long? Because he's teaching you how to stay free. He's teaching you how to stay free. Are you listening? How bad do you want to get healed? Because you see, here's the thing. If you don't force yourself to get rid of the hurts, sooner or later, what ends up happening is they turn on you. What do you mean, Pastor? Here's what happens. You start realizing that these hurts, as much as they oppress, as much as they depress, and please, I am not trying to throw salt in anybody's wounds tonight. Please, please. But I've watched this happen. I remember a person that was in our lives, single mom, two daughters. Crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis. Unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. But then after a couple of years went by, I started to realize this person likes this. Now, nobody starts that way. And nobody intentionally develops that because when they would have periods of freedom, the attention wasn't on them. Now, I'm, please, I am not speaking that a person becomes evil because we don't even realize we're doing it. The devil just hoodwinks us and, and, and he starts getting us to believe the lie that, you know, as bad as this is, at least people are paying attention to you. People would cook meals and bring it to their house. People would stop by and drop off checks. People would come by and just pray with the person. The Lord spoke to me one time and said, I want you to go to so-and-so's house, this same person, lay hands on the daughter, I'm going to heal her. 
I called the person up and said, I'll be over your house in 15 minutes. My wife came with me. I'm not going to a lady's house by myself, especially one that's single, okay? And so she came with me, and the daughter came out, had suffered with all kind, every disease you could possibly think of. Lay hands on her, she gets completely healed. Next morning, I get a phone call from the mother. Oh, she's healed, all right. I guess my, I guess my social security checks are going to stop. What do you think happened? Everything came right back. You know who I'm talking about. So, so how bad do you want to get free? See, because see, it'll turn on you and create a hook in you. But that's not God's best for you. God wants you healed. He wants you standing upright. He wants you to pick up the anointing to deal with that in somebody else's life. And I'm telling you, it's a spiritual principle. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says this. With the comfort that you have received, comfort ye one another. Now, I noticed this. We went through horrible financial problems in, in our early years. Well, I can't even say early years. By the time I hit 27 years old, I had a business that was making big money, driving two nice chariots, <laughs> having an apartment house on the other side of town, fully rented, didn't cost me a dime. Have a, a house right back here in this neighborhood, custom built by 27 years old. But I'm miserable, miserable. Money was no problem, but miserable. Thank God that the Lord reached me and saved me. And then for the first year or two, things were okay. And then all of a sudden, all hell broke loose against my finances. Lost everything, but gained the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Gained. Gained. Now, how bad do you want freedom? I wanted freedom, but you want to know something? If I, if, and back then, my thinking was, we're broke, but at least I'm not trying to kill myself. We're broke, but at least I'm not making plans to divorce my wife and leave my kids. We're broke, but, but what, you know what? But I don't want to stay this way. Because I believe you can, God bless you, I believe you can have both. I believe you can manage the prosperity so that it's a blessing and not a curse. And I believe that you can stay stable-minded and not have to be poor. You listening to me? Because that's the best of everything, right? But how bad do you want it? How bad do you want to be free? How bad do you want to be normal? How bad do you want to be stable? How bad do you want it? Because you're going to have to change some things. I had to change some things to make sure that what was destroying my life prior to 27 years old did not come back to steal my life afterwards. But I had to do some drastic things. There's some people I couldn't hang out with no more. There's some places I couldn't go no more. There's some stuff I definitely could not watch anymore. Are you listening to me? How desperate do you want it? How bad do you want it? How bad do you want to get set free? How bad? Do you think the process could start tonight? Yes? Okay. Prayer team, get up here. 
If you want to start that process tonight, get out of your seat and come up here. We're going to pray for you. And don't let the devil lie to you and say, well, you're not that bad. Don't let the devil lie to you and say, well, you're not addicted to anything. No, whatever it is, if there's something that is constraining your life, if there's something that is determining your decisions other than God, if there's a wound, if there's a hurt, if there's something there, get up here. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.